What's good? So excited that you are here with us on this Saturday. Continue to drop where you are tuning in from. I cannot believe that this is the last Saturday of the month. We are already one month into 23, 2023. I hope that this year has been going amazing for you. We're also, you know, just a couple days from the end of our corporate fast. We've been fasting as a church for the first time as a church. We've had this corporate fast. I wonder how many of you have gotten blessings, breakthroughs, clarity, um, encouragement, redirection. I just wonder how many of you are starting to see uh, the power of fasting in your life. I'd love for you to drop a little emoji if you are just getting something from being in this fast. I wonder if you've seen things happen that you didn't imagine you'd see this early in the year. Super excited. I know I certainly have. And I pray that you have too. Um, listen, I believe that every blessing breakthrough, I believe that everything that comes through this fast is going to be an opportunity. It's going to be an opportunity for us to recognize the power of God. It's going to be an opportunity for us to recognize the importance of developing spiritual disciplines as a people, as a body, too, as individuals, and as members of Bold Faith Community Church. Um, I truly believe it is going to be an opportunity for us to share our testimony, for us to draw people to Christ. And that's really where I want to talk to you from today. Um, you know, we've been in the book of Acts, but my title for today is um, it's an opportunity. Right. We are looking at Acts chapter three, verses one through twenty six. So you can go there. I'm going to do an overview of that shortly. But um, in this section of scripture, we can see how God uses blessings, breakthroughs, like he just uses all the things as an opportunity to draw people to him, to draw people away from sin, um, as an opportunity for us to share our faith, as an opportunity for people to see the glory of God. If we would allow for him to do that in and through our lives, I think that we would see a transformation, not only in ourselves, in our homes, and in our communities and across the world. I believe that that is the key to, you know, the church having real power and influence in the world where people are looking like, okay, how did she overcome that? How did you get through this? It's an opportunity. Those things that we're overcoming, it's an opportunity for us to share the love, the light, and the power of God in the lives of his people, you know? And so that's where I want to talk to you from. We are going to be in Acts chapter three, verse one through 26. Now, you know, we are a Bible studying church. We are just doing one chapter a week. So this week we're in chapter three. Next week we will be in chapter four. Um, I encourage you, whether this is your first time listening to us, whether you're watching live or you're watching the replay, you're listening to the podcast, shout out to all my podcast listeners. Um, we're, we drop two episodes a week, by the way, on the podcast. Okay. So if you sleeping on us, you really missing something. So be sure to check out Bold Faith um, with Courage Molina, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also, since I'm plugging stuff, by the way, doing the chronological Bible reading plan Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. EST. And um, right here on this YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe if you haven't. Feel like my voice is going out already it's from all that reading really excuse me oh look at it sound better already 
I want you to go ahead and subscribe. Um, hit the notification button so you can be notified every time we go live or every time we upload something new. Okay, back to it. So we're in chapter three. Oh, can I say one more thing? Can I tell you one more thing? before I promise we don't get started, y'all. Y'all just give me a little time. Get past the little time. Um, also, if you don't have a method by which you are studying along with us, strongly recommend you going to boldfaithchurch.org and getting one of the Bible study journals. I'm using the transformational journal. That is the Bible study journal that I use um, to prep, to teach. I also have the book method. It's the one that I use for my personal um, study. And I also have the bold method. Y'all know I'm all about getting off my own supply. Uh, in case there is a verse that I really want to dive deeper into, then I have the bold method. You certainly don't have to get all three. Pick the one that meets you where you are so that you have a method and you have effective, um, so that you have effective time in the word of God and you have a method so that you are rightly interpreting it. And it's not just kind of left to however you're feeling or whatever you're thinking helps to get you focused, helps to get you to use that time wisely. Um, I have a client. She's always like, well, I had my Bible open for an hour, but I hadn't done anything with it. <laughs> you know, I don't want you to, um, I don't want you to misuse your Bible time. I want it to be effective for you. And so having a Bible study journal helps you to do that. So get one if you don't have one. All right, let's get into chapter three. All right. So, you know, we're still in Jerusalem. Um, this is after, you know, the ascension of Jesus, the apostles have, you know, experienced the Holy Spirit coming, they received the Holy Spirit. And so, um, you know, 30,000, 30, 3,000 people have come to know Christ as a result. All of these things are happening and they're still in Jerusalem. They haven't left yet. And uh, Peter and John are together and they're on their way to the temple. I'm from a small town. I just want to paint this picture for you. I'm from a small town. So in my small town, there's a church on every corner. I live in Charlotte now. There are lots of churches. I pass uh, two churches to get to the highway. I actually, no matter which way, I go, I pass at least one church, sometimes two, just depending on the location, just depending on uh, which way I go out. So like there are tons of churches and I don't want you to think that Peter and John were just going to some random temple. This is the temple. It is one. It's not a bunch of them. It's the temple, right? <laughs> In Jerusalem. I say that because just like last time we kind of talked about location and how it was the perfect timing. Again, perfect timing perfect location. Peter and John are on their way to the temple at the time of prayer. This is a perfect time because there are going to be a lot of people also going to the temple. There are going to be a lot of people there going to the temple. And you know what their assignment was, right? What they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be going out, sharing the good news about Christ, telling people, making this, making, telling people to repent, get baptized and making uh, disciples of them, right? So that's what they're doing. So first in Jerusalem, then to um, Judea and Samaria, then out to the ends of the earth. So that's the assignment that they're on. So this is a good time, a great strategy for them to do, for them to go, because there's going to be a lot of people moving in that way, right? And so Peter and John are on their way to the temple. Um, and there's a man whose legs haven't worked from birth right? Kids never had use of his legs. And so what his family does, his friends, they take him right outside this gate, outside of the uh, gate, beautiful, or this gate called beautiful, which is on its way to the temple. If you are going to the temple, you probably are a devout Jew. 
right? Because you're going to the temple at prayer time. It's a time of the sacrifice. It means that you are practicing the thing that you are believing in. You are actively living out your faith in, in the things that you're supposed to do, which means you're also more likely to give. So he's got a pretty nice spot picked out too. His uh, location is good. He got a good strategy. His people got a good strategy for him because one of the values of that time is compassion um, and charity. Now, I know we might say it's a value, but this is a value that they actually lived out. So he was in a great place to be begging for people to give him silver and gold. These And everybody's got to pass him to go into the temple. So now you get ready to go in and ask God for something. You get ready to go in and confess and tell the Lord what you've done. You get ready to go in to make an offering or something like that to the Lord. And you see this man out who needs something. And God has set it up that we would give to the poor, that we would take care of the poor probably much more likely to give. I'm just saying my man's got a good strategy. And so now he sees Peter and John approaching. Oh, wait, time out. I got to give you this. I want you to miss this. Promise you I'm going to get to it. So now he sees Peter and John out there. They're on their way in. This is Jerusalem. This is the temple. Do you know who else was in Jerusalem in that temple out in that place where these Jews who lived there were? Do you know who else? Jesus. Who performed miracles in Jerusalem? Jesus. Who was betrayed? Jesus, right? So the, the beggar, he probably saw Jesus at some time because this man wasn't just born. He was this way for life. And it hasn't been that long since Jesus was there. We know that Jesus uh, was crucified, right? He rose again on the third day. So then there, after that, there were 40 days that he appeared, then 10 days to Pentecost. Like we're talking in the same year. We're talking in the same year that this is happening for the record, right? This is not like years and years after Jesus has walked this earth. This is not when this is. This is like within the same 12 month time frame. Okay. So this is a man who probably saw Jesus. We know that there were people who didn't get healed. He healed a lot of them and then he moved on. He didn't heal everybody. Some were healed, right? So we know that some of them got healed and some didn't. This is one of the ones that didn't get healed when Jesus was on his uh, trip. On his tour, on the Jesus tour, this man did not get chosen for healing. We can see that because he's he's been this way his whole life. But he's probably familiar with Jesus. He's probably at the very least heard about him. I can't imagine he didn't see him, right? This is his spot. He's probably heard about him, saw him. He heard the rumors about, his, um, about him being raised from the dead, all of this. He's probably aware. And that's important. That's important, right, for you to know as I give you this. So, um... You know, Peter and John are going into the temple. I promise you, I'm going to get past this. Peter and John are going into the temple and they, this man is sitting outside and he's begging. He asked them for silver and gold. And Peter says, look at me. I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I will give you. In verse six, then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Right? He says, I cannot, I ain't got no money for you, but what I can give you is some healing. Um, I want to go back to verse four. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. I wonder why he had to say, look at us. The man just asked them for money. I wonder if the man looked away out of shame or guilt, embarrassment. I wonder if the man looked away because he's begging, he's humbling himself. He said, please help me out. And so Peter has to get his attention. They look directly at him. I wonder how often he's been passed over. 
I wonder how many times people have avoided making eye contact with him, especially if they have no money to give him. Right. Especially if they didn't have it to give. Maybe they're going in there praying. They got some financial hardships. I wonder how many times he's been overlooked. I wonder how long in his life he has felt overlooked. I wonder if he's felt overlooked the whole time. So why he is asking for something, he's begging for something. You know, I, I have enough courage to ask you or maybe I don't have enough courage, but my need is so great. I'm I'm willing to to humble myself and ask, but I don't even feel worthy enough to look you in your face. So Peter gets his attention. Peter and John look directly at him and Peter's like, look at us. Like, let me grab your attention. Look, look at me. Look, look up at me. I don't have anything for you. I ain't got no money for you. But what I do have, I will give you. So he tells the man to, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He takes him by the right hand. He helps him up. Now his legs got strength. His ankles got strength. He's able to walk. This man is excited. He's praising God. He's worshiping God. He's singing. He's walking around. And all these people out here, they also recognize that this is the same man that's been coming who hasn't been able to walk since the day he was born. They re recognize him as the beggar that's always being brought out here by stretcher, right? Because he can't walk himself out there. Somebody's always bringing him out here by this temple gate so that he can beg. They were filled with wonder and amazement. They were shook. Somebody say shook. They were shook by what happened. And the Bible continues on to say that, um, you know, the man continued to hold on to Peter and John. Can you imagine? He was probably hugging them. He was probably crying. He was probably like, oh, he probably wanted to follow them everywhere they went. You know what I'm saying? These people are astonished and they came running to them. They came running outside to them like, oh my gosh, did y'all see that? Look at him. That's the man that be sitting out here all the time. No, girl, that is him. He was just wearing it. I just passed him going into the temple, right? They are so astonished. And Peter's like, why are y'all so excited about this? Why are y'all so surprised? Do you think that we did this? Y'all think that's what, oh no, 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 no. Let us stop you right now. Peter and John do not allow them to make an idol of them. Peter and John don't allow the crowd to give them glory that's due God. They also are surprised. They also are asking them, why are y'all surprised about this? Because they, they have witnessed what Jesus can do. Peter and John have witnessed what Jesus can do. So like, this is nothing. Why are y'all so surprised that the name of Jesus can do this? Like, for what? I know y'all don't think we did this. So what are y'all so excited about? Do y'all think it was our own power? Do you think that we have power of our own that made him walk? Do you think that we are so righteous that we have earned this power that we, that is our godliness, that is our stature, that it was our closeness to Jesus that is that has elevated us to a place where we could heal somebody? That ain't it. That's not it. And so then Peter uses this as an opportunity. Somebody say it's an opportunity. Put opportunity in the chat. He uses it as an opportunity to school them. Um, in verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. God has glorified Jesus, right? By healing this man, because it is by that Jesus, the one that y'all handed over to Pilate, the one that y'all conspired against, the one that y'all killed, who God later resurrected, it is through his power in his name that this man was healed. And God has done this 
through Jesus, through the power of the name of Jesus, so that you can see even now that he, Jesus, the one that y'all saw, is in fact the Messiah. He goes on in verse 15. This is like the best sentence. I mean, they're all great, but this is like the best verse for me. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Can we just stay here for a second? You killed the author of life who got raised from the dead. So much. The author of life, the irony, right? The author of life, the one whose breath brought life into existence, the one who created all life, which immediately elevates Jesus to God, right? Because who created everything? Who is the giver of life? Who is the author of life? God. So this idea that Jesus was just a rabbi, Jesus was just a teacher, Jesus was just a prophet, or Jesus was just a whatever, right? No. He's recognizing the deity of Christ, that he is son of God. Peter is recognizing him, acknowledging him as deity, as God, right? By saying he's the author of life because who created life? God did. Also at the same time, recognizing his humanity because it wasn't until he, it wasn't until he put downgraded himself into human form that he could even be killed. So now in one sentence, you killed the author of life. We are talking about how he is God, the son of God, the son of man that could be killed and the resurrection, but God raised him from the dead. That's good. That one little sentence. You killed the author of life, but God resurrected him from the dead. That's good. That right there, that, that'll teach right there. And we are witnesses of this. He goes on to say, it is by the faith in that name that he has been made whole. It is Jesus, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. It's not me. It's not him. It is the power of Jesus and the faith in Jesus that has allowed this healing to come. It's what's ushered in the power of God, the healing power of Jesus in this man's life, as y'all can all see right now. He goes on to remind them that they were ignorant and not believing that Jesus was the Messiah. How could they not believe it? He was the one who fulfilled prophecy. This is what prophecy foretold. It's not just that you missed it. It's you were fooled into it. He doesn't want to imply that everybody was misled. Some people were defiant right? Some were defiant and knew who he was, but didn't want to give up their position. Um, you know, you can see that in the gospel. There were people who knew exactly who he was. They knew him to be the Messiah and they still wanted to hold their position. So they plotted to kill him anyway. He's not saying that to the people though. He's saying y'all were misled by these religious leaders. You acted in ignorance as did your leaders. 
But this is how the Lord, this is how God fulfilled through y'all's ignorance and betrayal and, cons and conspiring to kill him. This is what y'all, this is how the Lord did that, right? And he's saying he foretold, the, the prophets foretold that the Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. He goes on to say every prophet that y'all have studied from Samuel, from Moses to Samuel spoke of all of these things that Jesus then came and fulfilled. Now y'all need to go ahead, repent. Now y'all need to go ahead and turn back to God. That's good. That's so good. So what do we see in this scripture? What do we see in this text? We see that power to heal. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get to the text, can we just talk about the people real quick? Um, let's talk about the people real quick. So who do we see here? We see Peter. Um, and one of the things that I love to do when I'm studying scripture is, or studying a section of scripture is to look at the people who are involved and kind of see how they respond and see what I can see about their faith or lack of faith and their behavior and their words and their actions. And then take that to reflect and ask myself, how am I like this person? When am I like this person? So I want you to consider how or when are you like Peter, right? Are you speaking in faith? When are you speaking in faith? When are you challenging um, other people to put their faith in Jesus? Is there a time where you are speaking like Peter? Is there a time where you are uh, taking an opportunity? This is this guy has a need. Do you see what I'm saying? This man made an ask that they themselves could not fulfill. They asked him for something. He asked them for something that they didn't have to give. And instead of just saying no, he needed it too, right? Eh. He couldn't make a living for himself. And so instead of just telling him no, Peter spoke faith and challenged him to put his faith in Jesus too. When are you behaving like Peter? In what area of your life? How can you make the decision right now when is the last time you had the opportunity? How can you set yourself up right now so the next time you have an opportunity to challenge someone's faith because you lack resources, whether those resources are money, time, space, answers, solution, support. Somebody's asking you for something. Somebody needs your support. Somebody needs money from you. Somebody needs your time and you don't have it to give. I wonder, instead of turning them away, what it would look like if you spoke faith to them and challenged them to put their faith in Jesus. Sometimes people come to us in desperate situations. Some of y'all give too much. Come on, Jesus. Some of y'all are giving more than you have. Instead of using it as an opportunity to speak faith and watch God perform a miracle, allowing them to touch their faith with yours, allowing y'all to touch and agree that there is something that can be done for them by the name of Jesus, right? Instead, you spread yourself thin, acting like you the Messiah. Mm, I'm gonna move on. Okay. I just want you to think about that. I just want you to think about it. I'm gonna move on. John, John is there, even though he's quiet. Um, it makes me wonder, makes me reflect about when I show up like John, am I showing up? Am I in close partnership 
uh, with somebody to do the work that God has called me to do? Am I doing life with people um, that I'm doing ministry with, that I'm working with, with other believers? Have I entered into a partnership? Do I have a team? Am I on somebody's team? Am I supporting somebody? Am I, you know, trying to do this work in isolation? Or have I made a commitment to be like, okay, we're going to be partners. We're going to do this work. We're going to go and do this thing that God has called both of us to do. I wonder when you behave like John or if you can think of times where God is calling you to behave more like John and be a partner, be a witness, be a companion. And then I look at the lame man. Um, I wonder where in my life have I accepted some of the things I was born with? Anybody been born with something that you just accepted, whether it was poverty mindset, whether you were born into poverty, whether there was some illness or some disease or some genetic issue. Is there something that you were born with or maybe you weren't born with it, but maybe it's been this way for as long as you can remember? You've been struggling with it for as long as you can remember and you've just accepted it as permanent. They gave you a diagnosis of general anxiety um, disorder and you just accepted it as per as permanent. Um, somebody diagnosed you with depression and you've accepted it as permanent. Somebody has said that you have IBS and you've accepted it as permanent. They've diagnosed you with diabetes and and you've accepted it as permanent. They said that your um, your kidneys are malfunctioning. You've accepted this thing as permanent. It's something I've been dealing with for such a long time. I've just accepted it. I've been this way for years, 30 years, 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. I wonder how many of you are behaving like the lame man, accepting this as permanent without taking it to Jesus or believing him for complete healing. I don't care what your therapist said. I don't care what your psychologist said. I don't care what the psychology books say. There is nothing too hard for God. I wonder what it would look like if you start to believe that you could get completely healed from anxiety. I wonder what it would look like if you started to take to Jesus your depression like you could get complete healing from depression. I wonder what it would look like if you would take your diabetes to Jesus like you believed you could get complete healing from it. I wonder in what area of your life are you behaving like the lame man has been behaving, sitting right outside a place where people are going to get answers, sitting right outside a place where people are going to meet with Jesus. I just wonder. I wonder when you behave like witness with like the witnesses. I wonder if you have ever misplaced your marveling at what human beings have been able to do and you've ignored that it's been done through the power of God, that the reason that their platform is that way because is because of the power of God in their life, that the reason they've been able to reconcile their marriage this way, the reason they've been able to overcome depression, the reason they've been over to, able to overcome anxiety, the reason that they've been able to speak life to a person, the reason that they've been able to stand in the middle of a storm is not because of their own power and not because of their godliness, but because of their faith in God and the power of the name of Jesus. Take some time to reflect. Anytime you're reading or studying a section of scripture, I just want you to pause for a moment and look at the people and how they behave and ask yourself, how can I relate to them? When am I like them? When am I not like them? How could I be more like them? How could I be less like them? Right? I just want you to take some time to reflect. Let's get back to the text. Um, so then what do we see here? 
we see the power to heal did not come from men. The power to heal only comes from God. They were able to see that the Jesus who they killed is actually God. They're also able to see that healing requires faith in Jesus. The man had some faith. Maybe he didn't have faith when Jesus came through. Maybe he thought, you know, he's probably not going to pick me. Maybe he was one of the ones that got overlooked and felt overlooked by Jesus. Anybody ever felt overlooked? And so that's just been discouraging. You feel like your prayers are going unheard. I don't know who that's for. God sees you. He hasn't forgotten you. This situation that you're in is going to be used as an opportunity to bring glory to his name and to bring more people to Christ. This situation that you've been dealing with, you feel like God has forgotten you. He's overlooked you. He hasn't. This is going to be an opportunity for you to share your testimony and to lift God up. And people will be drawn to God because of the situation that you are coming through. He hasn't forgotten you. There are so many lessons here, right? I, I want to get to the lessons. There are so many lessons here. One of the lessons that we can see here is that it's so important for us to celebrate the source more than the one it's more than the conduit, right? We're a vessel. It's so important for us to celebrate the source, for us to marvel at the source, for us to worship the source. Uh, maybe somebody came and did something for you. Maybe they delivered you from something. Maybe they encouraged you. It's, it's great to thank them and he thanked them and all that. That's wonderful. But it's so important for us to celebrate the source of our power, celebrate the source of our healing, celebrate the source of our restoration. Right. And, and recognizing that it is faith in Jesus that releases the power of God into our lives. It is your faith in Jesus that releases the power of God into our lives. What you have to understand is that God is faithful even when we are not. And we can see this. This is an opportunity for the very people who killed him to repent and come to know him and return back to him and be set apart and be his people again. This is an opportunity for the very ones that participated in his killing to repent and then be refreshed by him, to experience salvation, to experience the coming of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Right. We can see that God is faithful. This is this is a great space for us to see that miracles are often an opportunity to lead someone to salvation through Jesus. Your testimony is an opportunity for you to lead somebody to salvation through Jesus. The thing that almost took you out, the thing that you overcame, the thing that, that did knock you down, you, the joy that you have, the peace that you have in a difficult situation, the resistance that you have, the resilience that you have, that bounce back that you got, the resolve that you have to continue with your purpose, the anointing on your life, the gift that you have, the talent. This is an opportunity for you to share. That's why it's so important for us to be able to share our dark times. It's so important for us to be able to share our dark times because it is what's great here. The thing that's being celebrated, the reason that they can celebrate him is because He's had a struggle that's lasted his entire life. That's what makes it so awesome.
It's not a sprained ankle. He didn't fall down and somebody just picked him up. This is a situation that where there was no hope. There was no thought of any hope, not even a prayer request. Right? Maybe a desire, not a prayer request. There was no... It, it's the darkness, the thing that lasted for so long that makes this thing that they've done through the power of God, through faith in Jesus, it's the thing that makes them awestruck. You just want to tell people about your highlights. It's the lowlights that bring God glory. It's the lowlights that bring God glory. There's something else that's really important here I don't want us to miss, right? It, we talk about God, we talk about Holy Spirit, we talk about Jesus. And sometimes, especially in this day and age, it's like it's all the same thing. It ain't all the same thing. We're not all believing the same. We're not all worshiping the same God. These are Jews who believed in God. They believed in the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Isaac and Jacob. If they believed in they believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? They believed in God. They still needed to repent. Why? Because they rejected Jesus. And when we reject Jesus, we are rejecting God. So it's not the same. Jesus said, you can't know God because if you knew God, you would know me because he sent me. So when people are resisting Jesus, they don't know God. We can see this here. These are Jews. They go into the temple. They get ready to pray. They get ready to sacrifice. They give into the poor. Still going to hell. They needed to repent and turn back to God. Why were they repenting? Because they rejected Jesus. Rejected Jesus. This is, I mean, this physical healing that's happening right here, this physical healing that's happening right here. So this healing takes place through faith in Jesus. Follow me. This healing takes place through faith in Jesus, the Messiah. His physical body is healed to fully restored better than ever before because of his faith in Jesus. And our spiritual healing, complete spiritual healing that restores us back to God better than ever before also happens by what? Faith in Jesus. It's sin that keeps us from being refreshed and restored in Jesus. It's sin that keeps us from being refreshed and restored in Jesus. Jesus is the way for physical healing. He's the way for spiritual healing, which is great because Peter, well, the, we know God did it, right? God did it. Peter is using this healing, this miracle as an opportunity to get them to see that they need to be healed from sin. And what God did in that man's legs, he's getting ready to do in their life. 
That's what we've been called to do. We've been called to point people to Jesus. You see this thing I did, I've been able to do this through Jesus. You want to know how I'm able to start a church, how I have confidence, how I speak with boldness, why I love myself the way I do, why I be big up in myself the way I am, what gave me the courage to quit my job, how it is that I've been married for 21 years, how I've overcome depression. You wanna know how people are able to build businesses and how people of faith are able to overcome anxiety. You want to know how these things have happened instead of allowing people to clap us up and dap us up and, and get excited about us and give us all these accolades. We are supposed to be pointing people to Jesus. I've been able to do this thing because of my faith in Jesus. It's why I quit my job. I've been able to do this thing, not because man said that I could, but because there's a God who I know that can do anything with a life that is committed to him, that is available to him. And so when I said, God, here I am, what would you have me do and he said for me to pastor a church as a woman online in a place where even in this day and age people are telling me I should keep my mouth shut and if you know where I'm from if you understand the life that I live if you get how I'm the absolute wrong pick in human eyes then you can see the glory of Jesus in my life you can see the power of Jesus at work in my life in my marriage, in my ministry, when I'm out in the marketplace. You understand what I'm saying? You can see the work of Jesus, even in the mirror. But I would look in the mirror and love the girl who's looking back at me, not just love her spirit and love her personality, but love every cur curve and every role at the same time. Then it said, Jesus, how you got to this place to come? Jesus, this is an opportunity when people are um, impressed by what you've done and you know that you got there by Jesus. This is an opportunity for you to point people to Jesus. You have a huge platform. You have a huge following. You got this great YouTube channel. This is an opportunity. You have been blessed. God has blessed this thing. He has done this. The Lord has grown your territory. The Lord has increased your territory. The Lord has blessed the work of your hands. And it is so that you can point people back to him. Our open faith in Jesus, our open admonition for Jesus, our open commitment to following Christ is an invitation and an opportunity for others to see the power of God, for them to see that Jesus is the one true king, the only name by which we can be saved under so that they too can turn away from their sinful lives. They can repent, they can be baptized and come back to Christ. Come back to God. Continue to live set apart as God has created them to. It is why he sent his son Jesus to die. Not so that we could just be successful. Fruitful life is a life that points people back to Jesus. God called us to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. He's not talking about you just being out here having these babies. That the success that you experience in your life through your faith in God will be an opportunity for you to lead people to Christ. Success financially, relationally, spiritually, physically. You're a health coach. You are able to overcome some health scares, some health things. And you're a woman of faith and you understand that it was the power of God that healed your body because there are people who are eating like you and they still got buried. I'm just trying to make sure you understand.
you started a business, you went out to the marketplace, you did reels, your thing, your stuff grew, your platform grew, and you got all these people, and now you're making six figures, seven figures. But he met you in your dark closet, and he's the one who started this good work in you. He's the one who's been leading and guiding you by his Holy Spirit. And so now you have the opportunity to lead people to Christ. Your success is an opportunity to lead people to Christ. God, reconciling your marriage is an opportunity for you to lead people to Christ. You being able to overcome anxiety is an opportunity for you to lead people to Christ. Our open faith in Jesus is an invitation, an opportunity for others. What you have to know is that I know people be like, well, the Lord wants, you know, the Lord, the Lord wants me to be happy. You know, I know God wants me to be, the Lord wouldn't want me to be happy. He wants you to be happy, but he wants you to be whole first. And wholeness comes through holiness and holiness comes through repentance and following Christ, Christ, Jesus, Messiah. El Shaddai. You know what I'm saying? Elohim. Yahweh. Look, do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not in it's not in this this other stuff you're trying to, it's not in that. That's just not that's the whole that is the whole kit and caboodle. Listen, I know a lot of y'all know me as coach. Maybe if you don't, well, I'm talk about it now. I was a coach. I still am a coach. Um, and I did content and I did strategy and I did uh productivity and um I had a mastermind very successful right I can get you great results um all these things I did that um and I love doing it and I'm good at it and people loved me doing it right all these things um and then last year the Lord was like that's cool courage. That's cool, right? That you can help people with their time management and that's great, but I'm doing a new thing. And the thing that I've actually called you for is to lead people to the word, to help people to build their faith, to help people go beyond accepting me as a Lord and savior and just sitting around waiting to die. Right. Um, he imparted this thing in me. It wasn't for me. I know it was from him because I probably wouldn't have picked it if I'm honest. He imparted this thing in me where I started to feel like I don't care about your business and I don't care about your time management. There are so many people out here doing that. And I think that is wonderful. And if you're a person that's been called to lead people to time management, do it. If you've been called to be a productivity coach, do it. If you've been called to help people build their brand, do it. I encourage Molina have been called to point people to Christ in my vocation. Everybody's been called to point people to Christ, but I've been called to do it as a job. You see what I'm saying? And I started to get this feeling like, don't nobody care. And I even started saying it like, don't nobody care about your business if you're not in your Bible. Don't nobody care about your finances. <clears throat> Me, if you ain't got, if, if your faith is weak, like don't nobody care about that. Because your faith, your finance is not going to be able to get you out of stuff, not going to be able to sustain you when the storms of life come. It's going to require faith. So, yes, there are lots of things that are very important. But the number one thing, let me be clear here. I'm I, And I serve a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm for y'all being in the marketplace and I'm for y'all secure the bag, friend and tie. Holla at your girl. <laughs>
Amen. Listen, if you said it and you believed it, I want to be the first one to welcome you to the family. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And listen, I would love to hear from you. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you said that prayer. One, you can drop an emoji in the chat too. I want you to send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. We want to celebrate with you. We want to connect with you. Somebody from the care team is going to put some resources in your hand to help you as you start out this walk with Christ. This is not something that you've been called to do alone. We want to welcome you into the family, bring you into the community and give you a hug, give you some love. Even if it's virtually, we still want you to feel the love and we don't want you to do this thing alone. Maybe you fell off and you have decided this day to rededicate your life to Christ. Um, I would love to hear from you. Send an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. Maybe you've decided to be a member. You're like, you know what? I've been coming to this church. It is time for me to be a part of the community because you want to serve, because um, you understand the importance of community and fellowshipping and, and that God has called us to come together to serve each other and the people, right? And you want to be a part of what uh, Bold Faith Community Church is doing, send us an email and let us know. If this message has blessed you, if you've been blessed by this ministry or any of the work that we do here, and you want to help us to serve more people, you want to help us to direct more people to Christ, then you can do so by giving your tithes and offering. You can go to boldfaithchurch.org. You can do a one-time gift, or you can set it up for recurring um reoccurring, reoccurring giving. I speak English sometimes. You can set it up for reoccurring giving. That, that just sounds, I keep saying it and it just seems wrong. You ever said a word and it just seems wrong. It seems wrong, but you know what I'm saying? So you can give it every week or every month as the Lord puts it on your heart. Now, listen, we are not done. We are bold faith community church. And um, as Bold Faith Community Church, yes, we want to uh, bring women to Christ and to community. Yes, we want to encourage you to be bold in your faith. We want to equip you to be ministers of the word of God. But what that means is that you have to be in community. You want to bring you to Christ and community. We want to bring you into the fold. And that happens when you show up. And guess what? We're about to get into our life groups right now. It's a life group. We're going to talk about the sermon. It's great because you just watched it. You just listened to it. So it's wonderful. This happens to not be Saturday. You can still go to that link bit.ly slash bold faith church, and it'll add you to the church's email list and you'll get all the deets so you don't miss it. And it might be possible for you to sign up for a life group that meets on another day if Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. don't work for you. So you can still get in a life group. You can still have community no matter where you are or what your time zone is. All right. Listen, don't miss out. I cannot wait to see you. Uh, be sure to let me know if it's your first time when you come into the community. I want to say, hey, girl. Hey, see you. All right. I love y'all. And I will see y'all in the life group. Come on. Let's go do live together, people.